This edition of the Bearded Carcast was recorded live between High Point, North Carolina and Charlotte, North Carolina. Welcome to the Bearded Carcast. I am Mike Pacheco with Dave Friedman. In this episode of the Bearded Carcast, Dave and I talk about Winthrop's road loss at High Point, North Carolina. We also talk about the NFL playoffs, who we like in the AFC and the NFC. A very poignant visit to the North Carolina Vietnam Veterans War Memorial. And a visit to an iconic barbecue spot in North Carolina, the Lexington Barbecue. That and more on this edition of the Bearded Carcast. So exactly where are we? We are in a, it's the parking lot of a shopping center that High Point has purchased and uses for uh, extra parking for the Cubane Center. And I think it still is a functioning shopping center. Now I have no beef with sort of seedy areas. <laughs> and Oh, you meant in a greater sense, not in the... Well, High Point has been built up over the last, I don't know, 15 years to like everything is new yeah. and glossy. Right. And the area that we parked in, which is right across the street from High Point University, I'm not going to suggest that untort things have happened there, right. but it's kind of dark and run down yeah. and that's that's where the parking is for the facility. Yeah. As we hear a fire truck drive. Right. I mean, would you say that that was an inviting place to park? Um, I've parked in places that made me feel more safe. Right. Now, I, I've parked in much, much worse players, places as the cops uh, go through a red light. That's actually the uh, fire. Fire marshal? Yeah. Or okay. a fire uh, supervisor. Mm. Some sort of maybe captain or... It depends. So we're leaving High Point. Leaving are, High Point. Are we yeah. bitter? Well, uh, we were here for Emergency Drill Wednesday. <laughs> so I think that's got to be a highlight. That might be the highlight. When we were walking highlight. across yeah. the, from the parking <laughs> place to the gym at the beginning of yeah. the day, when, when we got to the arena three hours before right. tip-off. It was like they were doing a test of the emergency broadcast system. Yeah, there there were like sirens and, and, and PAs, yeah. and there was a big sign that said... Emergency Drill Wednesday. Right, like Taco Tuesday, Taco Tuesday emergency, emergency Drill, drill Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, $1.99 on Wednesdays. And the emergency drill was with the Winthrop Eagles about uh, halftime today. Yeah, it sure was. Winthrop was uh, down 16 at the half. Haven't come back from a 16-point deficit of one since that game at the Coliseum in 09. Yeah. When Charleston Southern scored like six points in the second half, yeah. Winthrop was down like 23 points. Yeah, it was like a Brazilian points, yeah. And it was a low-scoring game. It was it like... Was. 57 53 yep, or yep, something that was a brandy peel special it was a barclay rate special yeah. um and, and winter comes all the way back tonight they Warsman. come back to yep. take the lead and it all happens in like eight minutes they have the lead at, at the under 12 media timeout yeah and you know the, the story that's emerging with this team is really field goal percentage and opponent field goal percentage and, and in that stretch where they roared back high point was shooting like 30 percent 
And then, uh, then they went on like an 11-0 run, and you know they, they kind of climbed back. You know, built a healthy lead again, and then you know Winthrop stayed close, and they hit a uh, Casey Harrison three with like five seconds, six seconds to go, and made it a five-point game. But by then it was like, I mean, it was it was yeah, it was over. It was it was you know you needed you needed to like ask a wish from a genie or you know, uh, some sort of crazy movie ending for them to win. And, of course, you know, it didn't happen. But, you know, High Point didn't shoot the ball well at the free throw line. If they had made, I don't know, even 65% of their free throws, they'd probably win going away. But I love that we got Whitney playing in the background. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's just, I think right. it creates a nice ambiance. Yeah, it is. Ambiance. It is 80s on you can come up with plenty of very valid reasons yeah. why opponents are shooting a very high percentage against Winthrop. Yeah. And the glass plays a big part of it. High point out, rebounded Winthrop by 15. Second chance points tend to be at the rim. Yep. Uh, transition points also tend right. to be... What's tonight? Wednesday? It's Wednesday, right? It's Wednesday. It's emergency drill Wednesday. Not a lot going on in High Point on a Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. We're driving was... through. We're going through one of the... Uh, more elaborate uh, Krispy Kremes going past. I mean, we're we're, on, we're basically on Sherry Road. We're on a <laughs> yeah. main thoroughfare here, and there there aren't a lot of aren't a lot of cars on the road. We did pass the establishment that we had barbecue and a beer or two with Everett Hutto a couple years ago. Great. Was it good beer? I think it was. Well, I mean, I think it was light beer because we were, you know, we weren't really partying. Was the food good? Yeah. Sure. It wasn't as good as the Lexington barbecue we had today. Yeah, the Lexington barbecue we'll talk about was, that was really good. I just know when you, when you look at this Winthrop team and they're now a game under 500 right. in conference play, and it's not one and two or zero oh and one. They they've played enough games for you to get a feel. There's no doubt you look at things like depth. They they just mm-hmm. don't have depth. Another game tonight that Howie Fleming doesn't play in. Yep. And Xavier McKelvey, who maybe was coming on just a little bit, yep. gets hurt. And yep. they, they basically play six guys. Yep. So, so that's a problem. But I don't think that's the big problem. Well, because I think, Yeah, I, I, to me the big issue is um, teams are building big leads early. Or they're, they're coming out in the second half and building up a big lead. And you know, winter, they fight and they scratch and they claw and they compete, but you can't keep building yourselves these these deficits, these holes. You can't. I mean, you know, it's okay to do once in a while, but you're asking a lot of of your teammates. You're asking a lot of that team to constantly be playing from behind. Yeah, that's right. And again, you know, you can say there. So their two point, their three point defense is pretty good. It's the two-point defense that's bad. And the reason the two-point defense is bad is the offensive rebounds, the second chance points, the transition points. But we're enough games into the season that, like, it doesn't really matter why the number is bad. You have to fix it. You have to fix it, right. And then it becomes, is it, um, you know, how much of a change... You know, what's the, well, what, can it be fixed? Well, can it be fixed, and what's the level of adjustment? Is it a tweak? Is it an overhaul? You asked Prostat a couple games ago. Right. I, I don't know that we could possibly have recognized coming into the year that one of the things Winthrop was going to really miss was plain and simple DJ Burns' size. Mm-hmm. Not his offense. Right. Not necessarily his right. rebounding. Certainly not his defense. Yeah. Just he filled up a Space, large yeah. area. He played with an edge. 
He, he certainly did that, but they got guys that play with an yeah. edge now, but all of their guys look the same. Corey yeah. Hightower and Kelton Talfert and Michael Moore, they're long and yeah. lean. Yeah. And uh, the, the, lane right, and, and maybe Michael Anumba kind of yeah. has a little girth and a little a little weight and tough to play him. with a lot of toughness. It, it, exactly, but I, I don't know how you can change that. I was interested that they came out in one three one zone today. They didn't play a ton of it. No, they opened up the second half with two. They did, right. but the big knock on zone is it's difficult to rebound out of right, it, and right. when you're already having when you're already struggling rebounding. Right. So it, it, it's an interesting predicament they find themselves in. I think the six-man rotation and, and, you know, hopefully how he comes back at some point and makes it a seven-man rotation, maybe Xavier McKelvey becomes kind of seven-eight. And, like, I, I think you have good enough players to compete in the league. But I must tell you, I was sort of taken aback at how nonchalant and Clear. Gigi Smith was in our pregame, both mm-hmm. the interview yeah. and off the air, when he said, I think that clearly Longwood, Asheville, and yeah. Gardner Webb are the three best teams in the league. Yeah. And when asked about Winthrop, he said, It's not the same, same Winthrop. Winthrop yeah. I, I'm not sure what to make of that. In his eyes, that aren't blinded, maybe like, Ours are. Sure. It, it was kind of a, a telling thought. Yeah. And it wasn't like a shot. It wasn't taking a shot. It was just an honest observation. He's like, you know, this, the, they're not as deep as what the teams have been in the past. And I think that's really what he was alluding to. Um, but, you know, it's a lot different than, you know, obviously the Pat Kelsey era, you know, the, the Dave Davis influence when Winthrop was playing 11, you know, 10, 11 guys regularly. Um, you know, this team isn't built like that. It's a completely different. I mean, even if they wanted to do that, they couldn't do it at this point because, you know, two guys are redshirting and, and you know, you have Mike Anumba who's out for the year with the Achilles and uh, Isaiah Wilson has the, the, the ACL injury and he's coming back from that. So, I mean, there's no doubt this sport is just dramatically different with the transfer portal. Oh, and no doubt. You're building a new roster every, every year. year. And some years you're going to hit on everyone. Yeah. Some years you're going to hit That's on right. no one. And sometimes it's going to be in between. So how hard is it for administrators, um, like athletic directors and college presidents, to factor that in? It's, that I think that is a great question. And the best example of this, I've got a couple, but the best example is Southern Miss. Mm-hmm. We, we saw Southern Miss in Mexico. They weren't bad last year. They were awful. awful. Yeah. And they didn't fire the coach. Right. But they fired the entire support staff. They got rid of all of the assistant coaches. They brought in new assistants and basically an entirely new roster. Right. And now they're having a really good, good year. year. And Middle Tennessee State who is coached by uh, Nick McDevitt, who used to be at UNC Asheville, they were bad his first two or three years. Last year, we went to Murfreesboro, and the same sort of thing. They had been really bad the previous yeah. year, and then last year, they were they in the conference year. championship yeah. game and, and had a really good year. So, like, what you see in year one does not mean it's going to be what you see in year two. And year three can be more like year one or can be like year two. Like, I don't have any concerns about Winthrop next year and beyond because that waits to be seen. If you think they hit 
home runs in the portal last year with Corey Hightower, who obviously had a previous relationship with Coach Prosser, sure. but but with Pat Good and with Drew Buggs, and they had a fantastic season. Well, they can certainly do that this offseason. Right. My question is, what is the formula for this to be a successful team from tomorrow or Saturday going forward? And I think the answer is, you don't have to figure it out today or tomorrow or next week or the week after. No one in the league looks like they are unbelievable, right? I mean, Well, I mean, the, the top two and the bottom two are pretty close although high point did play well tonight i mean but then but then the middle is you know almost interchangeable from a record standpoint it's clear that longwood and Asheville have pulled ahead radford is right behind them those look and it is not even halfway through the season those look like the three top seeds in the league but winthrop led longwood by double digits Mm -hmm. in the second half up there yeah and Winthrop trailed by double digits at home and came back to beat Asheville. You, you've proven that you can beat those teams. If those are clearly the two best teams in the league, Winthrop has the talent mm-hmm. to do it. So you need to have figured out the formula by the first week in March sure. in Charlotte. Right. But what tweaks can you make? What major changes can you make? Is it just a matter of getting healthy or, or like... If you run into a neighbor who doesn't really follow Winthrop and says, hey, the night season's been over for a while, yeah. you know, how are you feeling about, what What are you doing now? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm covering Winthrop. You know, I've done that for a really long time. Um, and, and you go, and he goes, oh, how is the team this year? Like, I don't even really know how to answer that. Yeah, I know, I agree. It's a, it's, I wouldn't call it a conundrum, but it's, it's certainly not anything when, when the plans were drawn up at the beginning of the year and you couldn't have guessed that you know two tra- uh, two rotational guys uh, basically starters uh, and one of the best you know all-around defenders in the Big South Conference is not going to be playing. Am I delusional though saying that they played well against Longwood well enough to, to lead by double figures and they came back and they beat Asheville therefore they're good enough to win the league? Or do you look at it and go, while those things are true, they very easily could have lost to both of them. And what about Upstate? And what about High Point? And, and what about... Well, we, we, we joke about this. Uh, we joked about it today on the, on the broadcast, right? But to me, it's almost like... Um, it's almost like a presidential election in this regard, right? That there are, there are certain paths, right, that you can go to, to be president you know you win certain states easily and boom you know your, your path is a lot easier to the, the presidency Winthrop's margin for error is, is slimmer than it has been in years past in years past you know you could make up for certain deficiencies and still beat good teams and 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 even struggle against mediocre teams or bad teams and still win those games this year they're, they're, the margin for error is is a lot. It's a lot, re, lot, lot more reduced. It's a lot lower. So I think it's is it it's possible. Yes. Is it likely? Maybe. But is it? Gonna, it's it's. But it's a. You got to find the right formula, like you said, and and, and I think it's going to be. You know, how do you close the gap on rebounding, right? Because and again, like we said on the broadcast today, it doesn't have to be a one for one or a plus 
one or plus five, I mean, that's great. But, I mean, if it's just close, if it's, you know, within a couple rebounds. But uh, go back to what we started the podcast with. It's your field goal percentage, and it's your opponent's field goal percentage, and it's rebounding. Winthrop's done a better job at the turnover, right? They've they've reduced their turnovers, and they got more points off. I think it was like 20 to 9 or something on points off turnovers. So they're they're working on that. Now, how do you improve your two-point field goal defense, and how do you – you know, get off to better starts. I think the thing that, that hurts them is, you know, um, the few times we've seen them get off to really bad starts, it was almost like Burgerville. Like, Duquesne was Burgerville. I mean, that game was over. But tonight game. wasn't. Well, no, because because in the second half, they did exactly what they probably should have done in the first half, which was Case and Harrison started to drive. They had paint touches. Kelt Telford, who was 0 for 6 in the first half, this guy's shooting 71% coming into the game from the floor. And he was 0 for 6. I mean, you know, he makes you know, half of those in the first half is a different game. Right. Yet, in the second half, they had the lead. So, as bad as the first half was. Now, do you think that the effort it took to come back hurt them down the stretch? I, that's possible. I'd have to I'd have to go and look. I haven't Particularly seen with guys playing yeah. all those I minutes. Mean, five starters played all. Th- uh, the, the shortest minute, I think, was 34. So it seems to I, I'd have to. Look, I'd have to go back and watch the tape. Well, of course. It seems to me at this point, the goal is very, very clear. It's to get a first-round tournament by. You're probably not going to win yeah. the regular season but championship. This kind of reminds me of the second championship that Randy won, the 2010 team. They were the... They were three seed that they, year they, or no? But they were kind of not... I mean, they weren't in the top one yep. or two. And, and they, they had to play great three days in March. Right. So the the league has 10 teams, 10, 9, 8, and 7, play first-round games. So if you're one of the top six, you get a bye. Longwood and Asheville, one-game lead over Radford... I don't know. I, I think there was a result pending, maybe Upstate and Presbyterian, when we left. Let's say for the sake of argument, I think Upstate, upstate won. That won. Game. So then Upstate They're four and three now. would be one up on the group of three and four in fourth place. So they're tied for fifth. Well, that that's an okay position to be in, particularly right. because Top by beating Asheville, you would have a good tiebreaker yeah. right now. The game against Gardner-Webb, though, both games against Gardner-Webb, the one this Saturday and, and then the one at their place, any of those games against kind of those middle teams yeah. are, are really, really big games. I, I guess they're all big games at this point because you, you just need to compile enough wins yeah. to get that by. But I can't remember the last time we were thinking early in the before the turn in the Big South tournament schedule or the Big South conference schedule that you're thinking, wow, this is a must-win. And we've already had a couple of those where it's like, man, they need to win this game. Now, we open the broadcast today talking about it's the fourth week of the Big South season, and every week they've gone one and one. Mm-hmm. And how when you win, you got some confidence, you got some swagger, you can kind of see your way through the trees and how this could all work out. And when you lose, the sky is falling. Sure. Are we overreacting? They lost one game today. If they go ahead and they beat Gardner-Webb on Saturday, they're right back to 500. No, I don't think we're overreacting for this reason. Uh, because we're not saying the sky is falling and we're not saying it's, you know, the chicken little, right? I mean, it's you look at how many teams are within a game or two of each other, 
and you know it's how many times have we seen a team get hot for two three weeks I mean yep so they're I mean they're they're not where they want to be they're not you know in great position but they're not in horrible position either yeah I, th- there are troubling things the defensive field goal percentage the block shots they're yeah. getting shots blocked at a higher rate than almost any team yeah. in the country and you look at high points and I don't think anyone's looking at high point and going oh they're unbelievable they're unequivocally deeper than Winthrop now you can win a Big South championship you can win a national championship playing six seven eight guys but you do wonder when Winthrop struggles if it wouldn't be nice to look down the bench and have another option yeah. or if someone isn't playing well to to send them a lesson or if someone doesn't act right in practice to be able to to kind of play that or card. not even that just someone's not having a good night and you need to you know right I mean I think that's what the thing that was so great about um, what worked with the the last couple of years under Pat Kelsey with Dave Davis is you know, um, you know, you know, guys were coming in and coming out, but you know, you know, everybody, most everybody was getting minutes. Now, let's be honest. The downside to that is, which Winthrop didn't necessarily experience, was, you know, what would have happened with those teams if, if they had gone on a three or four or five game losing streak? Yep. Yep. I mean, because you know that that style is is terrific if you're winning. Now, let me ask you a question. Yeah. You like college basketball we tend to have opinions about people and teams do you think that pat kelsey guy can coach wow he can coach man like he's killing it down in college of charleston and you know we you know we were we've been very fortunate you know we've been around a lot of great people here at winthrop and and great coaches and you know we've learned a lot like i know it's been beneficial to me and the all the access that that we get you know the you know the stupid questions we ask and you know they don't make fun of us for um, well, maybe behind our backs. Oh, well, but yeah, but, that's, but we don't know about that. Right. So, yeah, that's fine. But, uh, but you know, nine years was a lot, right? I mean, like... Oh, it was time. I mean, it was, it time. was time. It was It was the right move, um, you know, not just professionally, but for his family. I mean, you know, they, they, they love coastal South Carolina. I mean, people, Living in Charleston. The, the COVID <laughs> year, people would say, well, they didn't have to play any guarantee games and they played most of their games against Big South opponents. Yeah. But how many did they win in a row? 15, yeah, 16 yeah, straight? Yeah, right. You go into the NCAA tournament, you only yeah. have like one loss. And like, you can make up whatever reasons you want. It was a pretty dang good year. I don't know. I think you, if you throw a regular season on that team with, you know, three or four guarantee games, I, I think the results are the same. Yeah, I mean, maybe they, I mean, they, they lose probably, three out of right. four or three out of right. five or yeah. two out of four yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But, like, the, the team is still pretty good. You look at this year's College of Charleston team. Say what you will about the CAA. It's kind of the, the big south, right? They've, they've added all of these not as high-profile teams as, as they used to have. And, and say what you will about their non-conference. I think they only played a couple of uh, Power Five teams. They're nineteen and one. They're seven and zero in the yeah. league. They've won eighteen in a row, and they're nationally ranked. Yeah. And, and again, I understand that Charleston's a great place to recruit to. They have a fantastic facility. They have money for NIL. There are maybe not tons of other programs that have that, but there are ample other programs that have that, yeah. and they're nineteen and one. Well, and I, I don't know that he gets enough credit for this. I mean, because people, 
um, you know, Pat is, you know, he's a, he's a, he's great to watch during games. He's, you know, fiery, he's animated, he, you know, he's great on social media, uh, he's great with interviews. Um, but not only is he a good X and O guy, but he's, he's a terrific motivator. And, and, and this is where I think maybe he doesn't get enough credit, or maybe just people don't talk about it, but he knows how, like, he, he's got a keen eye in recruiting, who to bring in, how to develop them, what they need, and get the most out of them. I mean, well, and it was well done before the portal, and it's continued yeah. to be well done now. I think you can look at what Pross and his staff have done and say they freaking nailed it last mm-hmm. year. Last year, they brought in maybe not every single guy that fit, but boy, they hit on a lot more yeah. than they didn't. And this year, you know, you can't anticipate Isaiah Wilson blowing out his knee. Right, right. You can't anticipate Mike and Numba having an Achilles. Right. You decide to redshirt at least one scholarship right. player. And, and back up a second, too. Like, for a good amount of time before the portal closed, they were anticipating DJ coming back, too. Well, DJ jumps in the portal right at the very end. So that kind of changes a lot yeah. of what you're doing. But that being said, it is it, Pat Kelsey deserves a lot of credit. You, you, you don't just you don't just well, do and he what, hires good assistant coaches too. He is the second best coach in the history of the Big South, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and, and there have been good coaches in the leagues. Oliver Purnell was yep. in the league, and Ron Bradley was in the league. Cliff Ellis was in the league, and, and maybe Cliff Ellis has a better resume overall. I mean, heck, uh, uh, Tubby Smith was in the league, but what they actually did in the in league. In the Big South. Greg yeah. Marshall went to seven NCAA tournaments in nine years yeah. and won a tournament game. I, I think he's pretty clearly number one. I think what Pat Kelsey did in his time, I don't even know who the argument would be would be in contention for number two. He's the second best coach in the history of the league. Now, we'll wait and see what Profs does and what um, all, all of the people yeah. that are currently in the league do. Griff Aldridge but or Derek Pickles or... Exactly. Tim Kraft. Right, and now Griff Aldridge is a really interesting case in point because not only did he take a program that was a dumpster fire and turn them into a team that went to the NCAA tournament, he's also through fundraising and a lot of yeah. his connections really elevated a yeah. lot of aspects yeah. of, of Farmville yeah. and Longwood. So, so that, you know, if he were to stay for another, I don't know, five or six years and go to the tournament another two, three yeah. times, that, that would be a very interesting yeah. um Argument it would put him to in, have. It put him in the discussion. But that's a lot of if ands and buts. I mean, the, right. the bottom line is what Greg did and what Pat did are remarkable. The year that Pross had last year was tremendous. Pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it was the best first year a coach has ever had in the history of the league by record. And it's easy to say he had a lot of good players in the cupboard. But they had just lost Chandler Vaudrin, the player of the year yeah, in the league. Yeah. And they turn around and go 14-2 right. and two and play in the right. conference title game. So yeah. it, it was still pretty darn yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, it's rare that you can say you lose the player of the year in the conference and you're going to have as good or if not better record. How many times have coaches told us, 
man, if you think we're good this year, yeah. we're going to be even better yeah. next year. Yeah. And you go. But they didn't have to hide him on defense, though. So. <laughs> you go, well, you're losing whoever this yeah. player is, player of the year, or your best player, or whatever. It, it just doesn't usually work out that way. Yeah. And, and Winthrop, now in back-to-back years, lost the conference player of the year. And maybe Kelton Telford is the best player or one of the best players in the league, but it, it's hard to lose Chan yeah. and then lose DJ and continue to be at that high level. Now, we saw Greg teams kind of win consistently, but they did not win with the players of the year. They rarely, rarely. had major yeah. award yeah. winners. How and, many, that, and they used that as fuel, too. They, they, they did indeed. They so did here's indeed. an interesting question. And the game has just changed so much. Right. right. So we were talking about candidacies and presidents and elections. Player of the year, is is it? Now I think. Well, let me ask the question first, and I can tell you what I think. Is it a runaway? Is it definitely Drew Pember? Is it is it Jaden House or is it Kelton Telford? Is is a Kelton Telford win Player of the Year? Is that because there's going to be a split vote? I, I think a lot of people that vote for this uh, tend to just look at numbers, so I think it probably will skew towards Drew Pember. But what, I mean, right now, if you had to pick a player of the year, who would it be? Well, I would only look at players on the, the top team. few teams. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that major contributions to teams that are bad or yeah. middling count for a whole lot. Because, yeah, you, you were incredible, but, I mean, in the end, you, you're looking for who is the best player on the best team. So, like, last year, I thought there were two viable candidates. There was Hill on Longwood, mm-hmm. and there was Burns on Winthrop. Those were clearly the two best teams, and I believe they were voted 1-2. I think Burns was was the winner, and I think Justin Hill second. was second. Close, yeah. So th- this year, I mean, and I don't have the numbers sitting in front of me, but I would say it's either Isaiah Wilkins or, or Drew Pember. Those would be your – now, again, you're, you're six games into an 18-game right, right. season, so it's a little bit premature. I mean, like last year – the candidates to me to be conference coach of the year were Griff Aldrich, who won it, yeah. and Mark Prosser. Yeah. They, they, they coached the two best teams. I always thought it was a crime when Greg or Pat didn't win coach of the year when they, 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 were, yeah. they were doing the things that they were doing. So, I, I mean, I, I look at the top of the standings, and it, it's great if you were picked to finish ninth and you finished fifth. Yeah. But you still finished fifth. Right. That's Mike Pacheco. I'm Dave Friedman. We're on our way home from High Point. NFL playoffs took place the wild card round this last weekend. Who do you believe is the coach of the year in the NFL? Wow. Not Matt Rule. Right. No, not Matt Rule. Um, Would you like me to go through the candidates? Well, no, because I'm thinking probably in the NFC, Nick Sirianni. Certainly one of them. Um, Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan. Uh, maybe uh, Kevin, Kevin O'Connell, the Vikings coach. Okay. Uh, I don't think he would win it, but I think he's in sure. the conversation. 
Uh, they had a great year. Yeah. Um, I think in the AFC, um, probably, you know, definitely Bills. Yeah, McDermott. McDermott, Sean McDermott. Um, I mean, Andy Reid, you got to be in the conversation. Right? Number one seed? Number one seed. So those two would be locks. I mean, I don't know. Did Doug Peterson get consideration? I mean, Jacksonville. No question. He's going to get consideration. Uh, how about Mike Tomlin? I mean, now they didn't make the playoffs, but that team was headed for, you know, Poopville. And <laughs> he turned them he around. Turned around. No question. Well, a guy that you didn't mention that's going to get a lot of consideration, yeah. I don't know if he's going to win it, is Dan Campbell. Oh, Dan Campbell, yeah. I love Dan Campbell. Love that right. Guy. So, let's say we're going to make you a voter. Who are you voting for? Are we talking after the Super Bowl or are we talking on the regular season? It's a great question. When do they vote? Do I they vote they after vote the Super after Bowl? I think they vote after the regular season. Though. I think they vote after the regular season, too. I mean, I think if you're doing now... Like before the play, I mean, well, not obviously we're in the playoffs now. But if if you're talking like at the end of week 18, right before the playoffs, I think I'm giving it to Sirianni. I, I mean, I think that's very reasonable. I mean, I didn't I didn't expect Philly, the Philly the, the Phillies. I didn't expect the Eagles to do what they did. Yep. I thought they were going to be better. See, and I like the way you phrase that because I think right now, if we voted today. Doug Peterson would get a lot of love Absolutely. because they just want yeah. a playoff game. Yes. But you have to remember, they played in a crappy division. Yep. They had to win in the final week of the year, or maybe it was the second to last week of the year when they beat... No, it was the last week of the year when they beat Tennessee um, to, to, to win it, yeah. to go to the playoffs. So, like, yeah, they weren't supposed to be good, and they were terrible with Urban Meyer the previous year. He took over a mess... And they had a great year, and he deserves all the credit in the world for that. But going into the playoffs, you would have expected that they were going to lose the first playoff game. And when yeah. they trailed 24 nothing or whatever it was, you definitely expected they were going to lose. Now they came back and won, so he deserves credit for that. But I, I think you're right. I mean, I think Nick Sirianni led the Eagles to the number one seed in the NFC. Now, they leaked some oil down the stretch, yep. but Jalen Hurts didn't play. Yeah in those right, games right. And, and like that well you're you're we're nascar country so they they had a flat tire in the last couple yeah of years. right it's exactly um i love andy reed always have loved andy reed I, I think he's just a total pro an adult in the room i'll be interested to get your thoughts on their game this week they're like an eight and a half point favorite over the aforementioned jaguars but andy reed off a of buy has been money money over the years um well, it, but the expectations, though, yeah. were the that were the Bills were going to be good, and they were. That Kansas City was going to be good, and they were. That Cincinnati coming off a Super Bowl was going to be good, and they were. I don't think that should mean those guys aren't the coach of the year. But of the really good teams, Philadelphia maybe was not supposed to be quite as good. And what about Kyle Shanahan? He took over a stacked roster, or they yeah. went into the year with a stacked yeah, but roster. We're not even mentioned the Bengals head coach. Yeah, right. I mean, those were the three teams yeah. in the AFC that were supposed to be really good, and they were all really good. Yeah. Zach Taylor. <laughs> um, but in the NFC, Sirianni, not as high expectations, number one seed. And Shanahan, 
yeah, they've got really, really good players. Everyone knew they had really, really good players going in, but they had this issue at quarterback. So they start Trey Lance, and he gets hurt, and they have Jimmy Garoppolo, and he gets hurt. Yeah. And, I mean, I remember at that point people talking about, well, can they talk Andrew Luck in yeah, to play? Right. Can they get a Phillip Rivers? Yeah. And no, they have the stones to say, we're going to keep Mr. Irrelevant, and we're going to start him. Right, and now they look like... Geniuses. I mean, but they look like they have as good a chance to win the Super Bowl as anybody does. Right. Now, um, Purdy, uh, when you stack his resume up, and I'm not not discounting anything he's done. I think he's been terrific. Um, But I think it's fair to say the teams he beat, um, I don't think there's an elite team on the list of teams he beat. Yeah, that's fair. What's the better coaching? Taking the Eagles... Who are probably preseason picked to finish second behind the Cowboys in the NFC East to the number one seed, or using Brock Purdy for half the season to gain the number two seed? What's better coaching? That's a terrific question. I think those are the two top yeah. candidates because while the A of the four AFC guys that are all left, three had high expectations and they met or surpassed them and Jacksonville was much better than expected. I, I think it comes down to the two NFC guys for me. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I, I totally agree with that. It, but you also wonder like how much um, you know you know, if the Bills had a chance to win that Cincinnati game. Sure, no question. Know, what are we, you know, so let's go through the four games this week. Then we'll circle back yeah. to our day traveling up yeah. to High Point before we call it a day. This is the Bearded Podcast or the night. It's 10.55. Where are we? Exit 84. Right. So we're almost in... For those of you that are not uh, from the greater Charlotte area, we are heading uh, uh, south on 85, and we're about to pass through Salisbury, mm. which I think is the home of Cheerwine. Is that we'll, right? We'll talk about Cheerwine We'll a get later. back to that. Let's start at the two AFC games. Jacksonville visits Kansas City. The Jags are getting more than a touchdown. The Jags had a weird year, surpassed expectations, but they started slow, and then they roared back into it, and Tennessee pissed on their leg, and the Jags beat Tennessee in a very tight game the last week of the season. They get in the playoffs. Then they get absolutely blitzed in the first half by the Chargers. They roar back and they win, while Kansas City more or less was among the best teams in the league from the get-go. And like you mentioned, because of the situation with Cincinnati and Buffalo, the DeMar Hamlin stuff, they, they get the number one seed. Do you think Kansas City is better, a lot better, or maybe we got a real game on our hands? Um, I think it'll be a game. I think, I mean, I believe Kansas City will win. What'd you say the line was seven or seven? Eight and a half. Eight and a half. Oh, now don't, I'm going to throw a legal disclaimer on. Do not ever pick anything I say from a betting standpoint. Uh, If I'm going against the line, uh, I would probably, I'd probably take the Jacks because I think it'd be closer than eight, you know, eight and a half. But I I, I do think Kansas City wins. And I think really, for me, you know, I mean, both are really good coaches. I think you'd probably give a slight edge to Andy Reid because, you know, Doug Peterson's won a Super Bowl. Uh, but I think the quarterback for me, I mean, I, you know, I think almost anybody as a GM, if you had a free slate uh, for next season, would take Patrick Mahomes over Trevor Lawrence. 
Yeah, I mean, if you were drafting an NFL team for next season right now and you had the number one pick, the three options are all in the AFC playoffs, and Trevor Lawrence isn't one of those top no, and three and it, options. You know, it'd probably be, for me, it would probably be Mahomes first and Josh Allen second. Yeah, and what about Burrow? Burrow, yeah. I exactly. Mean. So, um, Andy Reid and Doug Peterson have a long relationship. They know each other yep, really, really yep, well. Yep. They work together. Doug Peterson was on his staff, was he? Exactly. So that's kind of interesting. Um, the, now, if, now, if this was like, if this, if we were talking the same teams, but the head coaches were like Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick being the Chiefs, I, I might have to take Vrabel because Belichick sometimes doesn't do well against this. Protégés. Well, for a long, long, long time, he did really, really yeah. well recently. Yeah. It hasn't quite been right. Right. the that same. That was a long way to get a small payoff. But. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the Chiefs tend to be really good off a of bye. Reed is an adult in the room. I kind of think the Jags are stepping up from a JV. They played at home against the Chargers. Yeah, now you're going the on the Chargers road. The Chargers aided yeah. them. Do we know the what the weather's going to be? Uh, Kansas City's been rested. I don't know what the weather is going to be. I like Kansas City to win the game. I think the spread is somewhere in the right direction. Buffalo is hosting Cincinnati. We all know what happened yes, on that Monday yeah. night when they it's played. It's emotional for sure. No, no for question. Does what happened in that game before the emergency make any difference to you? Because if you'll recall, Cincinnati drove right down the field and scored. Yeah. Kansas City got the ball, got stalled, and had to kick a field goal. And it sure looked like Cincinnati was driving right down the field yeah. again when the game was yeah. called. Does that matter? No, it was too early in the game. Yeah. And, and so that's that's two. Number one is just the emotional factor of everything. I, I mean, I'm not saying that aids one team over the other. I mean, the game is in Buffalo. Um, I don't know. I I don't think you can take anything out of that. I, I just, um, I, it is going to be an emotional. What team do you think is better? Um, that's a great question. The point spread is right in the four and a half, five neighborhood, which indicates that Buffalo is better on a neutral court, a neutral field. That Buffalo would be a couple points. Uh, I favorite. would think Buffalo probably is a field goal, a little over a field goal, better than Cincinnati. I, I think Cincinnati is just as good. I think they're they're roughly on even terms. So maybe in Buffalo, Buffalo has a slightly above yeah, 50% home, chance of winning. Man. I like Cincinnati to cover, and I think they've got a really good chance to win. I, I think it's a very, very tight a game. A road upset. Could be a road upset. In the NFC, the 49ers are facing the Bills. The 49ers who, uh, yeah, you know, you and I listened to yeah. the Seahawks the Cowboys, game. Right? Right, yeah. right. The Cowboys. Yeah. Yes. So San Francisco beat Seattle. It was a game you and I listened to on the radio. And then I watched, I'm, I'm sure you watched too, um, the Monday night game. Yeah. Dallas just obliterated Tampa Bay. I'm not sure if that says more about Dallas or about Tampa no, Bay. No. Um, I, I think they've put the Cowboys in a really tough spot. The 49ers played an early home game on Saturday while Dallas played a Monday night game in Tampa Bay. Yeah. I, I don't think that's helpful for Dallas. No. And I certainly think Dallas is 
moving up in weight class. Now, you mentioned that Brock Purdy hasn't played a really good team. The Cowboys at their best are a really good team. I don't know that they've been at their best the last month, six weeks. I certainly think Dak Prescott has turned the ball over too much. I think the Niners are like a four-ish, five-point favorite, something like that. How, How do you see it? Well, I hope it doesn't come down to a field goal for Dallas' sake. Huh. He's been a terrific kicker this year. Kicker. And you know what? And he was a stand-up guy after that game. I, I mean, I play in a fantasy league um, where there's a small amount of money on the line, not just for winning the league or having yeah. the best record or having the most points, but, I, and again, I'm not sure why they, they structure the league this way, yeah. but... Uh, if you have the kicker that scores the most points during the year or the defense that scores the most points during the year, you get a little prize at the end of the wow. year. Brett Maher had the most yeah. fantasy points of any kicker wow. during the year. He had a really good year. Yeah. So how do you see the game? How do I see the game? Uh, probably on 4K. <laughs> definitely, on, definitely on 4K. I'll see it in 4K. Yeah, not all the games are available in 4K, but the Fox games are. Well, I think if you're a Dallas fan, you have to be extremely hardened by how Dak Prescott played. Now, one game does not make a season. One game does not make a career. Um, but I think Dak's body of work speaks for itself. Um, Dallas' defense, Micah Parsons, you know, uh, you, know you got the digs in the secondary. I'm probably a little partial to San Francisco in this game. I mean, not emotionally, but like just analytically, I, I would probably take Kyle Shanahan as a coach over um, over Mike McCarthy. Probably. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I, I mean, Tony Pollard's been great. You know, um, but you know, maybe a little bit on the emotional side. You know, Christian McCaffrey, former Panther, hope to look to see him do well. Uh, as as my son has somehow become a Cowboys fan over the last two years, I'm for a household um, peace, tranquility. I'm kind of rooting for the Cowboys, but if I was putting money on this game, I would probably take San Francisco. I like San Francisco. I think they're better at most, not all, but most positions yeah. on the field. I think it's an absolute coaching mismatch. I think being home after a home game on a Saturday versus playing on Monday and traveling again. There's one question, and this question is going to remain for every game because last week was Brock Purdy's first playoff game, and and this is his his first game against a really good team. And if they win, next week could be his first road playoff game, and then it could be, could could he... is he ready for the stage of the Super Bowl? So far, he's passed everything with flying colors, but you don't know. Yeah. He, he wasn't great in the first half against Seattle, and, and maybe the, the Cowboys have the roster to fluster him and force him into poor decisions or mistakes. Um, if Purdy doesn't lose the game, I think the 49ers will win the game. And then there is the Giants at Philly. Yeah. And Philly is a, a pretty big favorite. They're over a touchdown favorite. When we've last seen Philly playing a Giants team that more or less was laying down, they were resting their guys yeah. final week of the year. Philly looked okay or good, but Jalen Hurts did not look like the same right. guy he had been right. the first 10 or 12 weeks of the year. What, what is your take? And I think if my memory serves correctly, I believe yesterday I saw something that Jalen Hurts was not on the injury report. So, um, you know, maybe a good, you know, maybe if he's another week of good health, 
that helps turn things around. And, you know, I think it's hard to gauge those games when a team is resting players. Like, it's... Yep. It's, it's just not the same. It's not an apples-to-apples apples type type deal. So I think that's a hard... And what do you make of the Giants? Like, the Giants beat Minnesota, two teams that I don't know that anyone's really trusted or liked the entire season. But they went to Minnesota and they beat them. Yeah, they I mean, punched them in the mouth. And, they did. Yeah, and, you know, if you look at, you know, Daniel Jones, I think, has really matured. You know, he's not... You know, if he's not turning the ball over, I mean, this is any quarterback, right? He's but so good on his feet. Good on his feet. Um, you know, and he can he can run a little bit. Like if he, he, I mean, I wouldn't put him in the running quarterback category, but if he needs to, um, you know, keep the defense honest, or if he, if, he reminds me a lot of Ryan Tannehill at mm-hmm, his best. At his when best, Ryan yeah, Tannehill was yeah. good, Tennessee was the number one yeah. seed, and yeah, Tennessee had a great running back. Well, yeah. I, the Giants yeah. got a pretty good running back well, too. And, 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 and you know, one, what, what travels, you know, what travels well. In, in the playoffs on the road, if you have a good running back, that'll work. Um, but for me, I, I just think, um, I, I, you know, you got two young head young head coaches. Um, I, I would probably skew towards the body of work that Philadelphia has put together. I think Philadelphia is the better football team. Yeah, I think overall, and in, in, in different spots, they're better. Yeah, I think they'll win. I don't know if they'll cover. And if Hurts isn't right, it, it could be a real game. Yeah. It could be. It could be. It could be. It could be a real game. That's Mike Fitchie. I am. I'm Dave Freed. You are? We are... We are? What, maybe half hour away from Charlotte? Yeah, we're about 30 minutes, so we're getting ready to wrap this sucker up. Our day on the way to High Point today. Um, we went to the Vietnam Memorial, mm-hmm. and then we went to Lexington Barbecue. Right. Now, so, so folks that are not from North Carolina, or recently uh, additions to the state of North Carolina... If you've ever traveled on I-85 between Charlotte and Raleigh, or even Charlotte and Greensboro, uh, you will see signs uh, in Thomasville for the North Carolina Vietnam Veterans uh, Memorial. And I know when we started doing this about five, six years ago, when when I started doing games on the road with Dave, and we would go to different places, and we would look for food and stuff like that, cultural things, museums, you know, great historic sites. I remember one time going to High Point. To drive to High Point, you have to go past Thomasville. And I remember saying, hey. <coughs> That's not what I said. <laughs> I remember saying, hey, that might be a good thing to check out sometime. So, you know, with, you know, in previous trips to High Point, we've gone to Thomasville, which is a big furniture High Point, for again, those of you that are not in North Carolina don't know this, High Point, Thomasville, Lexington, the big, you know, heritage furniture places. And so in Thomasville, they have this giant chair. So, of course, and I mean literally, I mean, it's like a four or five-story building. Uh, but it's a giant, like, dining room table chair. So we we try to go to, like, fun and interesting places. So uh, in High Point, we went to a giant chest of drawers. I mean, it's almost like a small house, like three or four-story, like, double-decker house, but it's just a, a giant chest of drawers. So, you know, this time we were like, well, you know, what can we do? And we, we, we bandied about a couple of places. And, um, you know, one was uh, Richard Childress Racing, RCR, the 
for the non-NASCAR people, Richard Childress, you know, he was Dale Earnhardt's owner, uh, owned the number three car for a long time, and now his grandkids are racing. Um, that's more of a, not, hey, let's do that tomorrow. That's more, you got to organize it a little bit and make sure you have a lot of time. And uh, there was a place that has some caves and some trails that looked well, interesting. There was Old Town Salem. Old Town Salem, right? And that's in uh, Salem. there was a butterfly uh, museum, which yeah, wasn't open. It didn't appear to be open, right. So uh, our buddy, Everett Hutto, he, um, he was our producer director when we did the uh, Big South Conference games at Winthrop, and he was the former... Um, I don't think he was an associate AD, but he, he was in charge of the video and social media when he was at Winthrop, and now he's with ACC Network and working at Wake Forest and does a great job with them. So we got a chance to check up with him. So he met us at the memorial, and then um, it was it was really interesting because you know they they ask they recommend that you park in the rest area. So I should probably set that up. So. The memorial is in between the north and southbound lanes of 85. Right. This is what is so weird about it. Well, let me let me just one thing, and then you can say what's so weird about it. So, right before you get to Thomasville, you know, normally when you're on, you know, a southbound and a northbound, like the southbound is on the right, northbound is on the left. But right before Thomasville, I don't know how or why this was designed this way, but the southbound lane goes underneath the northbound lane. And then there's probably about a, I don't know, three or 400 yard stretch in between. Um, and it's in kind of in that stretch where the museum lies. So when you're going north, like going towards Raleigh, you, you take a right-hand turn and you go right into the, um, the rest area. So it has like the vending machine thing, like a vending machine hut and then a restroom hut. And then you walk down this trail and go over this little creek, that nice little bubbling creek and um, had a, a nice steel bridge and so I think the walk down the hill crossing that creek kind of it kind of puts you in a mood of like solemnness or something. Yeah I thought it was really nicely done it clearly is uh, a great thing to have. The setting was actually pretty serene. It was. But you don't expect that from essentially somewhere right. where yeah. someone stops to yeah. use the facilities yeah. or, or right. just kind of right. take a break mm -hmm. from being on the road. Yeah. yeah. Yet, it's not like you said on top of those things. You do have to take, you know, I don't know, a quarter of a mile stroll yeah. from that area walking kind of this very pretty outdoor woodsy area yeah. and you get to the memorial and I'd be interested to see what it looks like at night because it looked like it was very well lit mm -hmm. where the memorial would be highlighted. The walking paths are kind of highlighted. And, and, you know, once upon a time, you and I had this conversation at Campbell over the weekend. We, we, we made or you made a, a uh, reference to something that was kind of older and I give you a hard time about or maybe we'll we circle back on discovered that, that yeah. it, it was something that maybe not Dave had heard of but really didn't know much about the white shadow starring Ken Howard right or Ken because Ken the white shadow no, was, Ken Howard's the actor Ken Reeves was the character the white shadow left the air when I was a toddler that, that doesn't matter and it is but it was on like TV land for a decade like the reruns go ahead continue I, sorry, I Vietnam was not an event, a major event in our history. And it yeah, was certainly impacted many, many people and families. 
Blues. And my mom was a child of the 50s and 60s in San Francisco, and there is no question that it was a war that a lot of young people uh, objected to and had issues with, and growing up, because of that, because of my age, and I don't think your age is, is abundantly different, it's a war that to some degree touched home. It's a war mm -hmm. we were very aware of. Well, it also changed uh, the military. No question. You know, we went from you know a draft-centered army, the Navy, you know military, uh, to um, a volunteer service. Right. I would be very interested to know if the players at Winthrop or your son John, who is a mm. junior in high school, sophomore, sophomore in high school. Maybe next year will be a junior. He may. He may he might move be a junior, on. Yeah, yeah. To... Well, he's a rising junior. <laughs> yeah. So you're half right. He might get the COVID year back though. He so might, it could be. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder if he. That's a good, a good point. I wonder if he gets like a fifth year in high school. You know. I don't know because it would be impossible for me to know how aware and how impactful Vietnam was yeah. or is on someone yeah. that maybe is now a couple of generations yeah. off of yeah. that. Whereas I have zero doubt it kind of touches home for you and I and to our parents was a vivid right. memory. Right, right. So I was born, um, I wouldn't say right smack dab in the middle of the Vietnam War, but towards the end. Uh, and... I vaguely remember, um, I do remember seeing, because my brothers and I uh, were paper boys for the Boston Globe, so I, I, I vividly remember um, pictures of the helicopters taking off from the U.S. Embassy in Saigon in 75 when evacuated, and I remember, you know, kind of that stretch between 75 and 80 when, uh, you know, the Americans kind of felt like they took it on the chin a little bit. Um, I think I was very conscious of, you know, the feelings of, because, um, you know, you'd read stories about this in movies and stuff like that, uh, you know, kind of the angst that the veterans had because, um, you know, um, they didn't get the heroes welcome, right? They didn't get the ticker tape parades. And, you know, right. I think it's, it's in the last maybe, you know, 15 or 20 years where, you know, I think people, um, I mean, I think us as a society, not as individuals, but as a society kind of have tried to, you know, make do with that and, and kind of say, hey, you know, your service is important to us and we thank you for that and, and, and the sacrifices, you know, and, and all the heroes that didn't come home, you know, and, and I think, you know, th those guys didn't get that, you know, treatment and, you know, arms around them at the time. Right, because so many people were against the war. Right, well, yeah, no, 100%. Not necessarily against the individuals, but it's hard to separate those right, two. Right, right, Well, and, you know, I mean, if you look back, I mean, some of the protests, I mean, there was some ugly stuff said to, to veterans. You know? No question. And, and, you know, they didn't deserve that. I mean, they they were just the, the, the you know the poor guys that got drafted and had to do a year in Vietnam. Like you they, know, they to, didn't, a lot of guys didn't have a choice. To circle back to what you were saying about uh, the reference that maybe I should have got or maybe I didn't get, I love the Wonder Years. The uh -huh. original Wonder yeah. Years yeah. is yeah, one of my... Yeah, that's based on the, that time frame. That's right. Uh, when... I met my wife, I was 
watching Wonder Years reruns every day on some random television yeah. network. I watched it when I was yeah. a kid, and then I watched it again. And just recently, there's been a reboot of the Wonder Years. I think there's only been yeah. one season of it. And I've really enjoyed that too. And there, there's a storyline in it that one of the children is in Vietnam while another one of the children in the same family is protesting yeah. the Vietnam War. And when he comes back, what is that like? And how he and his sister, they just don't see eye to eye and she doesn't get it and he doesn't get it and they don't get yeah. each other. Yeah. And, and like the bigger point though is we need to have memorials like that and people need to go and see them and you need to reflect and you need to think about yeah. it. And, and I think we took a moment out of the day to do that and, and I enjoyed that. And maybe by talking about it on the podcast, maybe by talking about it in the air today, someone that hadn't thought about the Vietnam yeah. or what wasn't, you know, abundantly, you know, or look, look into it. Right. I mean, a lot has happened in the world since then. That does not mean, though, it's not a major piece of sure. our history. Right. And, right. and it was. I did really enjoy going there. I thought it was nicely done, yeah. though I did think it was in a strange location. Yeah. And, and the only thing I'll add, because this story, when we talked about it on the air, and I, I didn't get a chance to talk about this because there was a game going on. What? Uh, but what, what struck me was, and it, it wasn't um, a death, because... Um, you know, the memorial honors the 216,000 216, North Carolinians that served in the Vietnam War. And the, the, on the names were, uh, I think, 1,600 of the, the killed in action. Uh, but it's somebody that, that's alive that it made me think of. Uh, and I'll never forget this. It was, uh, it was a, I think I was a sophomore or a junior at Merrimack. And I had a teacher, and he served. And we didn't know this until this one day in class, but... He served uh, in the army. He was a Green Beret, and then he got out and he got into teaching and got became a professor. And I forget what subject we were on in history. I don't even think it was the Vietnam War, but and this is rare for Massachusetts. But we had a rain that came out of nowhere and it lasted for about 15 or 20 minutes. And it was, I mean, it was so loud and so hard. I mean, you, I mean, you could, I mean, it was like someone was throwing rocks at the windows. And um, and he had, to, he had to pause for a second, and he didn't say anything for two and a half minutes. Might not have been that long, but it felt like two and a half minutes, three minutes. And he said, I'm sorry, I just had a flashback. I'm shaking my head, yeah. I mean, I mean that what was... Can, like, yeah, I, what can you, know, you say? What can you say to that, right? And, um, but, you know, it's, um, you know, we've... I think as a country, you know, starting in 1980, and, you know, I think Ronald Reagan has to take credit for this. You know, it was kind of like, the, you know, a rebirth, if you will, of patriotism. And, you know, when the Gulf War happened, I was in college. Or I was just getting out of college in that time frame. And, um, you know, those guys came came home to a hero's welcome. And I think that's when, um, you know, I think, I, I don't know that the veterans would say this, but I think the civilians kind of was kind of like, hey, you know, what? We, we owe it to our all our vets, and, and particularly the Vietnam guys, to make sure we acknowledge them. And if you remember... Uh, the dedication for the North Carolina uh, Vietnam Veterans Memorial was, I think, Memorial Day of 1991. Right. Right. And I'm glad you said, if you remember, since we were there today. Right. If I if I didn't remember right. today, then I, I might hey, just... Hey, we're just lucky never... that we remembered what we had for lunch today. Well, and speaking of yeah. lunch... Yeah, because we went immediately... 
and it was like I don't know seven miles away. Uh, now, for folks that live in North Carolina or have been to North Carolina a bit, you've probably heard of Lexington barbecue. There's there's two styles, Eastern and Western barbecue in the state of North Carolina and Lexington barbecue. If you're going to do one barbecue place in the state of North Carolina, uh, I would probably direct people to Lexington barbecue. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with that and not necessarily because it's the best, though it is really, really good. It's iconic. It's iconic and it's, it's kind of like that place everybody has. You know, for me, it's like if you want to get a roast beef sandwich in Boston, you go to Kelly's Roast Beef in Revere Beach. I know there's a bunch of locations now. I would go to the original. Right. It's a, it's a cheesesteak in Philly. They're great at a million different places. You can argue about what's the best. But Pat's and Gino's are kind right. of that classic, right. iconic right. ones. Right. But I, I think the one thing about Lexington Barbecue um, that these places probably have in common um, is, is it the most sensational, greatest thing you've ever eaten? No. Is it really good? Yes. But... Is it almost the same every time you go? Yes. Yeah, 100%. And the menu is... Well, you got to start off with the chair wine. Because <laughs> the waitress is going to come over and ask you what you want to drink. And you got to say chair wine. Now, there were three of us there. Our, we mentioned our buddy, Everett Hutto, Dave, and I. And two out of the three adhered to our friend I Bob can't Rapp's remember the last time I ordered getting, a soda. Um, I can't tell. It might have been one time when we were driving... Like we were going somewhere and you were driving and it was late and you like you needed some sugar or something like that. Maybe, but I'd be more likely to get a lemonade if no, I could I think find it was, one. I think the last soda I remember you ever drinking was probably a ginger ale. That's possible. Yeah. I actually got a soda at the very beginning of this season. It was before you got to um, uh, Penn State. Okay. I had visited a Sheets, as you'll recall. Uh, yeah. I drove from the Breeders' Cup, Lexington, Kentucky. Yeah to Penn State and this I, was like a Gary McCann Andrew Dice special <laughs> well I wanted to go to the Breeders Cup and then I obviously needed to be at the Winthrop Penn State game right. and I didn't want to miss any NFL football <laughs> on Sunday yeah this is and it seemed story. very clear yeah. that the way to make this happen was driving yeah. because there were no direct flights right. from Lexington. Right. If, if you drive to Cincinnati, you got to be at the airport an hour and a half before the flight leaves. Yeah. You have to stop. Like the, the way to go was drive. So I left at 6 a.m. and I got in at noon and I was there to watch football all day long. And I stopped at a Sheets because I didn't want to leave the hotel all day because I just wanted to watch football all day long. And I got myself a sandwich and... Um, I was looking at, I don't know, some chips or whatever, and I was like, well, I need a drink or two for the day, and Sheets makes their own sodas, and there was one that was, I forget what the flavor was, for whatever reason, it sounded pretty appetizing. It did your interest, yeah. No, you didn't try the the peach knee-high at Gardner Webb. I didn't. uh, The soda was not good. It was not good. good. To, To the point where we were at Longwood last week, at a sheets and you saw it and you gave it the thumbs up in fact I walked you over to it and I, said, I, tried, it to I tried this soda once yeah, it was and it was good. really bad yeah. and that's the last soda I can remember yeah. having and I can't yeah. remember what the last yeah. one I had before that I really yeah. don't like soda um, so I didn't get the cheer wine but right. I did get again it's was a, it a delicious water that you got oh yeah delicious um, I, I they don't offer that many things. There's chop barbecue. Yeah, I mean there was, but they had some weird. Like there was like a what was the there was like well a, they had fish. They had fish, and they had like a ham, a fried shrimp maybe. Maybe. And a hamburger steak. 
Yeah. But they called it something else, but I think it was a hamburger steak. But in terms of barbecue, yeah. it, it, there's not like, there aren't ribs on the menu. No. I didn't even see, was there chicken on the menu? I don't know that there was there chicken, chicken on the menu. There were chicken tenders on the menu. Okay, but pretty yeah. much. It's but they were like a like an appetizer. More or less, it's yeah. pork however you want it. What right. whatever way you want them to cut it or shred it, yeah. they'll do it for you. Yeah, but that, they'll, they'll that, do it. But that was that's their. I mean, that's their bread and butter. And it's good. Yeah. I mean, so it, you got the pulled pork. I got the pulled and pork. And kind of like the. Um, I mean, the coleslaw was the same, but it's like that um, red coleslaw. Yep. Um, I I tell you what, I don't remember the hush puppies being that good. They were really good. What and the sauce. Yeah, the sauce so, had a little bit of bite. It was like a vinegary. So Mark but it was grabbed too, the yeah. media relations director, longtime media relations director at Gardner Webb, my friend and colleague. Um, he my loves Lexington. Yeah. Your friend as well. He loves Lexington barbecue. It's his favorite. Yeah. And but you you went against his wishes though. Well, I didn't get sure why. And his uh, his longtime boss, uh, Chuck Birch also is a, a barbecue connoisseur and likes... Chuck is a beef but, connoisseur, let's be honest. I mean, barbecue was his specialty. <laughs> yeah. I've seen that man at a uh, Brazilian steakhouse in Manhattan. Right, now that being said, yeah. this is a guy that is in great shape. Terrific. Works out oh a my lot. God. Like, yeah. like, doesn't look like yeah. a guy that's eating no. that frequently no, he, or that he, yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and he likes Lexington barbecue but doesn't love it. Yeah. And I believe, if I, I could be mistaken about this, I believe his issue is the sauce. Mm. He thought that things were over-sauced, yeah. and maybe he didn't love the sauce. Yeah. I did not there think the barbecue issue. was over-sauced at all. In fact, no. I didn't think there was that much on it. Yeah. And when you put it on the side and I dipped it in, I really liked it because there was some zip to it. Yeah, there, I, I, I had the same... Uh, Without all the Garden Web talk, I had pretty much the same thoughts. Um, now, Everett, yeah. when he put the sauce on, put it right on the barbecue. Yeah. I put it off to the side and dipped it. Yeah. Do you have a preference? Um, so, I kind of, this time, well, see, all right, so, a little bit different, right? So, a little inside Bearded Carcast baseball here. Um, when we do our food stuff, uh, I, 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 Whenever possible, I try not to get the same exact thing that Dave gets, just because I think visually it, it's better for us yeah, to tell a story. Yeah, the more things we, you can right, see, right? I the mean, better it looks. I mean, on you camera. can only you can only see one dish so many ways, right? Um, so having but having said that, um, if they had ribs or brisket, no brainer. But like you said, I was like, well, you gotta get barbecue with this, John. Like, I'm not gonna get a hamburger. Right. I'm not gonna get you a hamburger. You could have gotten the fried fish. I could have done the fried but fish. But that's yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, like. I mean, if we were in Calabash or Shalad or like, uh, you know, Oak Island, I would probably get the fried fish. Your but, car now says low fuel level. Yeah. Search for a nearby gas station. Like it's it's 75 says, miles. 75 miles is not low fuel. It is. That is Calabash. not low fuel. Yeah. The car is lying to you. Well, 75 it, miles. Yeah. And um, and it's only the 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 E light does like one bar left, but it's not red. By the way, it just went from 75 to 70. Yeah. We went maybe 20 seconds. Yeah. Well, it went from 70 to 85 a while ago. So. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah. I'm doing a NASCAR thing. I'm, I'm changing my speeds a little bit lower to kind of help stretch the fuel out a little bit. <laughs> and we're I mean, almost home, so. I mean, you're within 20 no. miles of home. Yeah. So, uh, 
but let's get back to the barbecue. So I got the sliced barbecue. So it was basically, um, they cut the, instead of shredding it, they cut it. Right. And, and I'd say it was probably about a quarter of an inch slice, give or take, a millimeter here or there. Um, I thought it was uh, extremely moist. Now, being, I'm going to call myself an amateur smoker. I'm not a, I'm not a full-fledged smoker chef. You know, I don't know what the, you know. Uh, but I appreciated the nice smoke ring. You know, you don't really get that in the pulled pork unless you get like an end piece. Um, the coleslaw was terrific. In fact, I remember, I don't know if you remember this. <laughs> we went to, um, I think it was in High Point. We went to a barbecue joint with um, John Gobble. Okay. And he made sure that we got the, the, the red, I think it's called red. Um, slaw? Slaw. And so now, whenever I have the opportunity to have red slaw, if there's a choice, I'll take the red slaw. I like the red slaw better. Because the, the normal slaw can be overly mayonnaised. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this is a little bit cleaner, I think. A little bit more, a little more fresh fish. It has a little bit more of a kick. Um, and then the french fries, they had the crinkle cuts. Um, the french fries were fine. The, I thought I mean, they were good. I mean... I mean, french fries... Like, uh, I think french fries are one of those things that, like, they can be good... But I don't know if I've had a French fry, and I'm like, that's the best French fry I've ever had in my life. Yeah, I mean, they're best. Really, really hot. Yeah. I personally like them really, really quick. By the way, the food came out pretty quick. Very quickly. Um, but the barbecue was, it was a big portion. It yeah. was good. Yeah. The slaw was a big portion. It yeah. was good. And it's iconic. I mean, it, it yeah, is. Like it I is, said, if, if you're going to... If you're in North Carolina for a short amount of time and you happen to be driving through Lexington, North Carolina, because again, it's not, it's, it's. I wouldn't say it's 50-50, but it's roughly somewhere between uh, Charlotte and the Raleigh-Durham Triangle area. So it's like, I don't know that I would. Now, some if you're a barbecue aficionado, I would make a point if you're in the state to go there. Now, I uh, think you and I have do. talked about this. Have we? Um, I want before the road game at Gardner Webb to go to Kyle Fletcher's in Gastonia because okay. that yeah. is Chuck Birch's oh, favorite yeah, barbecue bring, place, yeah. and I would like to compare that to kind of Bridges and Shelby, which oh, we've been yeah. to before. Red Bridges Barbecue, right? And then and there's also a Bridges Barbecue in Shelby. We've been there too. Some there's a, there's a <laughs> there's a little bit of controversy as to whether they're related or not. Some people will say they're distant cousins. Some say they're, you know, not. They might even be the Hatfield and McCoys for all I know. But um, one's in town and one's right off, literally right on 74 going. But to I'm interested. Shelby. Remember the taste we had today. Yep, yep, yep. And then we'll go to mm-hmm. Kyle Fletcher's in Gastonia Kyle before Fletcher's, the Gardner Webb yeah. game. And, and, and then maybe we'll. It wasn't that long ago. What were we? Maybe two months ago we were at uh, Bridges and Shelby. Something like that. So we'll, we'll kind of... Yeah, no, it was... Um, where were we coming back from? I think we were at a Gardner Webb coaching Oh, yeah, we show. were at a... Yeah, that's right. So I, that's right. remember all three of those and, and think them through and, and we'll... And then, we'll, the, then there was... Remember the, the place um, in Penn State that was more of like a gourmet barbecue place? We had barbecue at Penn State? Yeah. Was it at Penn State or was it Auburn? Oh, that was Auburn. That yeah, was Auburn. Yeah, Auburn. really no, good. No, no, yeah, no, it was Auburn. We had that sampler yeah, platter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was, was that, that is much more high end. But, but it was, but it was really more good. like a like a Frank Chabelli. Absolutely. For Charlotte people, like a Bama Ricottas. Yeah. Bad dad. It was like yeah, that more high end. Yeah. And, and various 
sides very, but but really, really yeah, good. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, the sides were terrific. Yeah. Well, and if you made it that far. Yeah, if you made it that far, we're gonna thank you very much. I'm gonna hit the gas and get around this guy so I can get Dave home. And uh, be sure to listen. Next podcast. Like, coming home share. from Clinton, South Carolina. Clinton? Oh, and I, this is, we got something really special lined up for Clinton, South yeah, Carolina. Yeah, if you thought today's food was good, yeah. just wait. Yeah, and talk about a staple. That's Iconic. What I'm say. Iconic staple. That's our trip to Clinton. So we'll uh, we'll sign off and say good night. And it is uh, 6 GMT.